What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to episode 156 of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. We're doing something a little bit different today. He's a friend of the pod who has actually never been on the show before. So no. we refer to him as the filming in Chicago guy. But for sake <laughs> of today's episode, we're going to give him a code name. And that code name is Gorsh. Gorsh, welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> Thank you for finally coming on. I know we've, like, we've been meaning to have you on for three years now. and uh, Really? Finally happened. Yes. Yeah, you've, you've been a friend of the pod from the get-go, cause, only because we bothered you into it. So you you pick the only time when there's actually no filming in Chicago to have me on. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's ramping up, though, is it not? Yeah. I, I hope so, and, and I don't want to take you off your, your news outline already, but the situation we have with, with all three of the one Chicago shows is that Med started up a week or two ago. They started up, and they worked for like a day or a half a day, and then they got a positive test result. So they took a pause for like a day, and then they came back and they had another one in the, the same department. And unfortunately, the department is is a zone A department that has direct contact with the actors. I'm not going to say what it was, but you can kind of guess there's only a couple, right? So they decided to just kind of shut that down for two weeks is what I was told. So they're, they're dead right now. Fire and PD are both supposed to start tomorrow. And I know fire is supposed to be at the station later this week, but they've got a lot of permits getting canceled and stuff. And I'm not entirely sure what's going on but hopefully they'll they'll be at the station this week and then that like things are off to the races then i hope yeah fingers crossed i mean yeah and and we can just talk about that now how chicago med had to suspend production for two weeks this started last week um because yeah like you were saying two people in zone a they had two positives and you know it's unfortunate but also this is this is what it is in our post-pandemic world right yeah it, it, and the thing is, they had this—they had this plan that they set up for Fargo, and and Chris Rock did a really funny interview about it, where he talks about the different zones, and basically Zone C, everybody's got COVID. You stay away from them, right? So, <laughs> so the the studio and in the shows and the unions all kind of set up this plan, and it apparently worked great for Fargo, and they only had like twelve days to finish, right? So they set the same plan in place for the one Chicago shows, pretty much with zones and wristbands and all that stuff, but you know you have a lot more people and you're talking about 15 episodes times three and they're under time pressure already to meet that premiere day. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about you know, increasing the number of days to film an episode by at least a couple. And then you're talking about med now is two weeks behind where they're supposed to be. And I don't even know if they can get 15 done. I mean, you can look on a calendar and count it out and, and see what's going to happen. But I, if med doesn't start up really quickly, I don't know how they're going to have enough episodes to start on the November date because you, they're, they're going to run out of time. If it takes 10, 12 days, they need two or three in the can before they start. And so, I mean, I, I hope they do it because if they get off schedule and fire and PD stay on schedule, that theoretically messes up crossovers and everything. So 
you know, who knows? I mean, I hope they get it taken care of and get back, but it's, it's a mess. But like you said, it's expected. I think it, the worst possible thing was it for it to happen on the first day, right? The yeah. first show back on the first day and you're delayed for two weeks. So, I mean, it really can't get any worse than that. They really probably should have started earlier. So they had a little bit more buffer time. Yeah. Buffer time built in, but they, you know, they had to get everything cleared and it's not just the city and all that, but it's the unions and everything else. So they've got a plan. It'll work. You know, nobody, I mean, nobody's necessarily even sick. Right. But you, you know, when you get a positive test result and someone else gets it, you have to do what the plan says you have to do. So the plan says, you know, they're going to shut down for a little bit. Well, and theoretically, I like to think you hope that it kind of turns out to be like almost similar to these like sports league situations where like you get the positive taste or cases in the beginning and like while you're working out the kinks and like while everyone for example like in the NBA was arriving to Orlando you had some positive cases but since everyone's been in the bubble you haven't had any so like you hope that it's kind of one of those situations where while everyone's coming back from wherever they were yeah you may get a positive case here or there but hopefully once everyone's like been in Chicago for a while that things will go back to normal and we'll have no positive cases you would hope so but the problem is they're not really doing the bubble no i don't right. know maybe maybe they're putting the zone a people maybe cast is in a bubble i don't know nobody's told me that but you have so many people at the studio like just people that are around construction guys doing stuff and then you they're doing different things with extras this year but you've got all the extras in and you're paying them yeah. to be available I, I guess how they're doing it this year is paying them to be available for like the whole episode in case they need to change things around stuff. But you cannot, unless you put those people up in a hotel and put security outside, you can't guarantee they're not going to go to a bar on day three of the episode. And then, you know, they come back and and take out two or three other extras, and then you don't have any extras. And if they had interaction with someone in another zone, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I think they have a great plan. I think they have the best plan they can do short of quarantining people but they're still going to have problems. I mean, hopefully nobody even, you know, gets sick. It's just, you know, positive, hopefully positive test results that are caught early because they're being tested every day. So hopefully everybody's okay. But I mean, I, I, someone told me, someone told me that the set medic is doing everything. And then somebody else told me that they're self-administering the test. I don't even know how that works. Um, I can't imagine that would be effective. There's, there's a lot of room for error here. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I just, I can't, I, if somebody told me to self-administer a COVID test, I'd be like, I'm not poking myself in the brain, like you do it. <laughs> I, I think, I think there's a kind where you don't go all the way up and I, I'm, I would assume that that's what they're talking about, but um, either way, it's a mess. I mean, it's nobody's fault. It's yeah, the world right. we live in. And if restaurants can open and sports teams can open, there's no reason why these shows can't do it safely and effectively. But the problem is they're under real severe time constraints. If you're a football team, some college teams, you know, are out like six or seven players, but if they still meet the standards, they're going to go for it and play that game with reserves. Right. But if, you know, if Jesse Spencer is out for two or three weeks, I mean, you don't have a B team. Okay. You could rewrite the script and you can shoot around them, but you know, that's really, really hard to do. And it, it costs a lot more money. And, and so you really have to protect, you know, the, the zone A people, they're, you know, the players on the field. Everybody else, frankly, they can replace. Mm-hmm. They can get new extras. They can get new hair and makeup. They can get new, but they can't get new actors and they can't get new directors. So they're, they're setting up a, a kind of like a pod system for the directors 
where they come in and, and direct a couple of episodes like prep, shoot, prep, shoot. And so have like two or three guys or gals fly in and do that and then get rid of them and bring a couple more so that um, instead of bringing someone new for every episode or something like that. So they've got a real good plan for, for how it would work. But I mean, you, I don't care what industry it is, you're going to have positive results. Right. You know, if you're testing people every day, good, you're going to have positive results, but then you have a plan in place and then you have to follow it. And that means shutting down. So hopefully they've got enough time built in on the back end to, to get all 15 finished. But like I said, I'm, I'm kind of worried about that start date, November. I mean, what, how many weeks do they have before that? And so Matt has done nothing. Right. You know, they, right. they did a day or two days or something. So there's nothing. So they need 10 day. I don't know if they're running eight, 10, 11 days per episode, but if they need 10 shooting days for the first episode, I mean, how many business days are left between today and November 11th? Not that many. And then you need the second episode seven days later. So, I mean, you get behind and you can't catch up. Mm -hmm. Well, and they still have what, like another 10 days left on their quarantine or left on their pause? You know, something like that? I was, I was told two weeks and whether that actually means 14 days or, or right. who knows what the rule is. But yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was last week. So, and, and then everybody's changed shooting schedules, like fire is shooting on weekends and stuff. And I don't really understand if that was because of COVID or some other reason, but there, there are a lot of things that are different this year in, in changing things around doesn't lead to increased efficiency, <laughs> you know? So they're, they're under the gun in, in, you know, med i thought med was the one that would be fine because they don't have to go out you know they can yeah. shoot 90 percent of the episodes in the studio there they can limit their extras really and and they can kind of be self-contained but this is all it takes is is one test result and, and that plan goes to heck basically yeah see but i see and i worried about med everybody was like no med will be fine they're all indoors i was like no but they will be in close quarters they're, yeah. they're they don't have the luxury of the outdoors where you know things can spread you know, in I other mean, distances. And, and, and so testing, you know, daily testing should help with that, right? But I explained it to someone the other day. So you have, these are not rapid tests like that they have at the White House, which aren't even accurate anyway, right? Um, <laughs> but if, if you give someone a test on Monday and, and they're infected mildly, they're asymptomatic, and you don't get that test result back for 24, 36 hours, let's say you get it back on Wednesday. Well, they've already worked on Monday and they've already worked on Tuesday and they've already interacted with the other people. So it's Wednesday, you're like, oh, so now I've got to contact trace everyone in that department for Monday, Tuesday through Wednesday. Nobody did anything wrong, but you know, the, while they're gonna get the tests they need, they're not gonna get you know, rapid five hour tests. It, it's just the way it is. And, and they're doing the best they can, but it's just, it's concerning. I mean, it, it was, it was so nice to see Fargo finish up without any problems, but I mean, they, they, they only had 12 days. That's right. all they had to get in. Well, and I saw your tweet earlier. I mean, we're already off track, so why not? But um, we're recording this on Monday. We release it on Fridays. But yeah, you did make a tweet earlier on Monday, just to clarify, about um, Shameless, that they may not even be filming in Chicago, and this is their last season, right? Yeah, I mean, that really sucks. And, and this is kind of like, for Chicago, for people who live in Chicago, and work in the industry, this is kind of like a really interesting month, because you've got all three of the one Chicago stars shows starting up. There's another show called 61st Street supposed to be starting up. Next is airing Utopia just dropped. 
Um, Fargo, completely shot in Chicago, just dropped. And then, you know, you've got all this other stuff that's going on too. And, uh, it, you know, it's kind of hard to keep track of it. Shameless is, has been very consistent. They come here twice a year. It's not always the same months, but it's usually once at the beginning and once at the end. So people ask me, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Well, then somebody sends me photos of these houses they built in LA on the lot. And they have a couple permits pop up. And it's like for, I forget how they described it, but like plate shots, something like that, which is basically you're shooting like the background. And then the theory is that they're going to probably shoot the street. And then they have the house they built in LA. So have the characters in front of the house and then, I don't know, green screen behind it and then put the rest of the neighborhood behind them, basically. So that's a pretty good sign that Shameless is not coming back. I mean, I can't guarantee they're not coming back, but, you know, they would have been back here for their first visit already. They don't want to put people on a plane. And so they're, they're done with Chicago. They, they didn't get to go out the way they wanted to. And that's, that's fine. Again, in the whole scheme of what's going on in the world, it's not a big deal, but I get like more people asking about shameless in a week than I do, you know, med for the whole year. <laughs> it's a huge thing with, with the Netflix set, you know, because it's just something that, that even my son who was on, on the freaking show, he didn't watch until it came on Netflix. Right. I mean, it's like Netflix makes the show better, right? It's a show you filmed <laughs> five years ago, but, but he didn't even watch the show. And he's like, Oh dad, this is, this is a really good show. Uh, well, why didn't I watch it? Well, I mean, you were like eight at the time. You can't watch that show when you're eight, you know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, so, so let me ask you this. How old is your son now? So he just graduated from high school. So he's, so we have a, a very interesting history with some of these shows. You know, my son does not take after me. He's a very good looking little kid. So the second time he was on set was, I, I know I've told you guys a story before, was on Chicago Fire in that first season. I don't know what it was, one eight or one ten. He was a little boy with a negligent father, not me, by the way, that that fell in the Lake Michigan. And they filmed this scene at, at North Avenue Beach in Chicago, which is a very well-known beach. Middle of winter. I mean, it must have been ten degrees out. It, it was terrible. And again, we go and we met um, before the scene. We met with Joe Chappelle, and I can't remember who else we met with. Then we did a technical walkthrough with. Um, I think it was, I think only Mills was at the walkthrough. And then I think Gabby came later. So here's how they set it up is that your son is going to be in the lake. And don't worry about it because he's not actually going to be in the lake. We're going to have a little person who specializes in cold water immersion. And he's, he's going to do this. And then it's just going to cut to your son, you know, like on the ladder. And it's going to be no problem and little thing like that. So we get to, to the set and they're putting him in all these layers and all this special gear. I'm like, he's not going in the water. Right? Oh no, he's not going in the water, but, but they're going to hold him over the water. So we have to have all this stuff on just in case. I'm like, Oh boy. Oh boy. So, so we get to the set and we're kind of like VIPs because you know, this is a scene with, it's not only dangerous because it's stunt work and it's cold, but you know, Kelly Severide is in the scene and the whole cast is there. So they get my son all set up and it's hard to explain if you haven't seen him do this before, but you know, there's the whole cast is there because it was a, it was a call and in the water, you've got the Chicago fire department, the actual Chicago fire department divers, and you've got actual paramedics and actual firefighters in addition to the cast to be prepared for all the stuff that happens. 
and I hear the director talking to the stunt guy. If the kid can't do it, we're going to have the, have the other guy do it. And, and so we set all this up, and apparently they're having an issue with Taylor doesn't like cold water, apparently. But and they got a lot of stuff sorted out. And so it's go time, and they filmed some of the stuff. So they put this really short guy in the water, and then they pull him out. And, and Taylor did – I think he did all that himself, but his stunt double, uh, Toby, was there too. And I can't remember – I think maybe Toby did underwater, but Taylor is definitely in the water. So then it's Milo guy's turn. And I'll tell you what, I don't think I've ever been so scared in my life to see that every single person, 50, 100 people on there was focused and, and he's down the ladder and you've got the real firefighters there, but you've got, you know, Chris and, and whoever, and Dave, whoever was there. And he, they're literally lifting him above the lake and you've got all the fire department right there. I'm like, this is like nuts, but, but it was awesome, right? And so they, they, they did all that a couple times and they put them on the gurney. And then the best part, my son will appreciate this later, is um, he was really cold. And obviously the stunt person had to be taken up and they did special things to warm him up and Taylor too. So my son got to go back in that area and he actually, I'm pretty sure he saw Taylor Kinney naked. So I think that a lot of people <laughs> would have risked all of that for that. He doesn't appreciate that. So they do all that, and then again, it's a, it's a two-day deal, so they shot that the first day, and then we came back a day or two to do the stuff in the hospital in the ambulance, so that was when it switched over to, to I guess it was Mills and Gabby. I can't remember if someone else was in the and ambulance. Shay. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. So it was, yeah, mm -hmm. geez, yeah, so long ago. And so they do all that stuff, and my son is like repeating his lines, and they had him, he's supposed to spit up water, and he didn't want to do it, but they convinced him to do it, and they put like some stuff in your mouth that like you spit up yourself and he did it all great. And it was just really cool to have the headsets on and listen to how they're doing anything. But the best part was it was a day when they were doing um, Antonio scenes. It was like when he was shot, but I think it was like the after that. So we were hanging out in, in hair and makeup with, with John and he was telling some like not entirely appropriate stories that were very funny. Um, but you know, he trying to, he was trying to clean it up because my son was in the chair next to him. But it was just really kind of amazing. And, and as many times as I've been on set before that, like the best thing to be on set is the parent of an actor because you're required to be right there, but you don't have to do anything. You know, they, they let you listen in and, and they check with you on things, but you don't have any responsibilities. You don't have any rules. You just, you have to be basically pretty much within visual distance from your kid. So like I got to be just a fly on the wall for everything. And that's like, so the first thing you do is something with William Macy on Shameless. The second thing is you can see Taylor Kinney naked. And the third thing he do, did was a McDonald's commercial. So, I mean, he pretty much hung it up after that. You know, he did some other stuff afterwards, but that's like hitting three grand slams in your first three at-bats. That's amazing. So, yeah, so everybody who watches back at that episode, like early in season one, that kid that Severed pulled out of the lake is now out of high school. Just keep that in mind. I know. That's scary. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I was trying to think back. So I, I worked on the pilot and at the time, again, there was not a lot of stuff filming here. It was kind of really just movies. Right. Mm -hmm. So I worked on the pilot a couple nights and it was overnight shoots, that big fire at the warehouse. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's hard to do overnight shoots because no matter how much you try to change your system to be up, you know, from 10 PM to 6 AM is not easy. And it was really cold that night and nobody knew what was going on and, and all the extras were in holding. And I'll never forget 
we went out you didn't we didn't even know who the actors were yet because there was not that much information available and and everybody had the character names on the coats right so and nothing said jesse spencer it says all the characters so we were trying to figure out who was in it and no, none of us could figure out because they had all the gear on and so i go back up in the holding and and, and chris stolt was in holding and uh actors don't go in holding right it's only extras and stuff and like Oh, geez, this is terrible. I loved him in Chicago Code, and he would be great in this show, but they just got him as an extra. That's like such a huge insult. <laughs> but it, it, it turns out that he was there because I think one of his kids was in that episode, right? So mm. he was just like, because we couldn't see him with all the gear on to realize he was a firefighter. So, um, but it was really interesting to see that and see how they did the stunts. And, and we all knew at the time that they were putting so much money into that. I mean, stuff that you didn't even see on screen that they were blowing up and stuff were like, this is like a movie. And NBC's mm -hmm. putting a lot of money behind this. So I'm, I'm proud to say that I was seen briefly for 0.5 seconds in the pilot, and I have not been seen since in the next eight seasons. So that's the life of an extra sometimes, I guess. I love it. I love it. So that's awesome. That is awesome. So uh, we talked about men and, you know, they're COVID scared. There's one last bit of news we wanted to talk about really just because we wanted, we, we've got tea to spill. We've got opinions here. So uh, <laughs> a couple of months ago, the accounts were like, hey, we've got an announcement. And all of us were just like, oh my God, we've missed you so much. Give us anything. The next day they're like, we're merging Twitter accounts. And the entire fandom just goes, huh? Like, <laughs> we stayed pretty bum about it because they got pretty bum about it. So we were like, okay, bullet dodge. But on Monday of this week, they announced that they're still doing it. And my question is, why? I don't get it. I, I, it makes no actual sense to me. I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't really make sense to me. I, I got nothing. Yeah, I'm, I just, I, it's so unnecessary in my opinion. Yeah. Stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's, it's just. Like, <laughs> I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> Each show has its own identity. Like, why would you merge them together? That's just, it's, it's disorganized. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, and, and I know that most people that would listen to this podcast probably love all shows and watch all three shows, right? But it, it's, a com it's a big commitment to take three hours out of your Wednesday, even if you watch it on Thursday, right? To, to keep in track with everything. And you've got to have some respect for the people that are just PD fans or just fire fans and, and don't have the, the ability to watch three hours of TV every Wednesday. And you're telling them, no, just go to the one Chicago. Con well, maybe they don't want to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Why are you making me change something that's worked for eight years? I, I just, and I haven't seen a reason why. Well, I mean, I can't, it doesn't cost less. It's probably the same intern running all three accounts, right? Um, I, it just doesn't make any sense. And if you want to make content geared towards just like One Chicago, then make a One Chicago account that is separate from the other three. So like you still tweeting PD stuff, you're still tweeting fire stuff, you're still tweeting med stuff, but then you can also tweet general One Chicago things on a One Chicago account. I don't understand why the fire account, which has always been the fire account, has to now become the One Chicago account. Like why can't you just create a separate one Chicago account. You will still get followers. I promise. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. You know, what's really not going to be fun now is when your non fire med PD, like speaking friends are like, so is it just one show? Is it called one Chicago? It's like, they're just making more work for all of us. Maybe that's it. Maybe it'll just be called one Chicago. No. <laughs> <laughs> one no. Chicago Wednesdays. Sure. But no, we're not calling it one Chicago. Yeah, no. Some, this 
some guy in an office in New York had an idea and they're going to execute it. I love that. Gotta love that. I, I saw one theory a couple of months back when they first announced it that they figured that with all of the things that had gone on this summer with, you know, race, the racial justice and so the social issues that had happened is that PD presumably lost a lot of followers and got a lot of backlash. And so the theory that I read was that that is why they're merging accounts is to kind of gloss that over and try to regain what they lost. Because if you're, if you're just a men fan or you're just a fire fan, well, now you have to follow all three, whether you like it or not. Still not a good idea. It's all stupid. <laughs> yeah. I don't I think the thing that annoys me about it too really is like the overhype of it like the fact that when they announced it initially a few months ago they were like we have an announcement in two days and then it was like next day we have an announcement and then it was like oh we're merging accounts and I was like what <laughs> I don't know it just doesn't the over excitedness coming from the accounts about it it like has thrown me off I don't like it yeah yeah it's just silly it's just silly though yeah, um, that's about all we've got in terms of news. Um, but I mean, we've got a lot more to talk about. So we're, we're off to a good start. So, okay, so let's start with like the blanket question. How did you get started doing this and tracking the film permits in Chicago? You know, people ask me this and it's been so long ago at this point that I really don't remember. So I think I give everyone a, a different answer that, I, so I've, I've lived, I've worked and lived downtown for, I don't know, like 20, 30 years. Gosh, that's a long time. But uh, since I've, I moved into a, a building downtown, I think in 96 was the first time. And so that was when early edition was still around, which is still like my favorite show. And I would like walk to the office or walk to lunch and I would run into Kyle Chandler, like mm -hmm. I swear, like two, three times a week, oh. like every day almost. That's the dream. And, yeah, I mean, even back then, I mean, he wasn't a huge star, right? But I mean, you could you could kind of tell, right? He had that thing right. about him that you figured it wasn't gonna be the last <laughs> show he was in and the, the firehouse where they they used an old firehouse for the bar in that show mcginty's very close to molly's and that was not that far from my house so I, I saw him all the time and so that kind of got me a little interested and i went i actually bought some jackets and stuff from the show that i still have but then there was a little bit of a downtime here until some of the the big shows really came back or the big movies like the batman stuff and the Transformers stuff and when that stuff happened, that was really the thing that got me interested in, in where were they every day? Because when, when Michael Bay takes over the corner of Michigan and Wacker for like a week, like you can't avoid it. One, that's how I go home every day. But two, they're blowing up Decepticons down the street from my office. I want to see that. And they had you know, Optimus Prime was parked in front of my office. And, and Batman, when they flipped that tanker truck, that was in front of my office. It was laid at night so it, it, it's like i i just want to know more about are they going to be back here next week what are they doing here you know i got in the office one day and i got in the elevator and there's a bunch of cops in the elevator i'm like oh, shit what happened today and i look they've all got gotham city on their sleeves right i'm like all right well batman's going to be here today you know nobody told me so it, it, you go on the internet or, or twitter at the time and try to find that kind of info and there are a couple of other accounts that I'm not going to mention. There was one back then that's gone now. There's another one that's still around that that had some information that was not correct. 
mm-hmm. you know, and from little things like saying 31st street instead of 31st place, which is the same area, but not the same street. And someone from Chicago would know that, but like putting something at 6,500 East instead of West and 6,500 East is the middle of the lake. Right. So that kind of got me thinking I, I'm downtown every day. I don't know where these guys are getting their information, but I'm there every day. I see the flyers. I see where they're at. I can do this better than them. What I didn't realize at the time is that they were already using the permit system, right? That's how somebody in New York would know where they're going to be. And it took me a while to figure that out because nobody tells you that. But once I kind of took the city's permit system and then put that together with just seeing the flyers on the street and, and walking up and down, you know, my offices on LaSalle and I mean, yeah, half the movies that have been filmed in Chicago filmed on LaSalle Street. One mm-hmm. Chicago so many times. Even uh, uh, you were talking about episode 1-3 the other day, the, the accident with Voight's kid. That was like two blocks from my office too. So um, just seeing all that every day made me want to get more accurate information from someone that was living here and not in New York. And, and, and that was really in general what it was. But I, I would say it was probably Dark Knight, you know, the Batman series, seeing them throw people out of windows of, of 50 story buildings. That was really cool. And then seeing the transformers stuff and, and actually being able to make some money off of some of that stuff by like putting videos on YouTube and stuff. That was, that was kind of like the light went off. Okay. Well, what else is there coming up and not, you're really kind of in that same time period, then you get one Chicago and then, then you're kind of off to the races. Mm-hmm. I know you said that obviously you were just kind of a, at least filming in Chicago blossomed out of your curiosity for like what was happening in your day-to-day life, like in your neighborhood and stuff. But like, are you a big, just like film and TV guy in general, or did that help elevate your love for TV and film? I guess a little bit of both. I mean, it sort of elevated my love, but also elevated my hate a little bit for, for some <laughs> reasons. The more you know about something, the more you get to see how the sausage is made. Sometimes you don't want to eat the sausage. So at first it was like awesome. And, and that's why I started to like get into being an extra and doing some of the other things I've done on some of the other shows because I wanted to get closer and see how this was done sort of from the inside instead of just standing on the corner a block away. And that was really cool and really interesting. But you get to realize that, that it's really hard work, right? I mean, it's not e- easy. I mean, it's not that what they're doing is, is necessarily that hard but the hours and conditions are terrible. You know, you're outside all the time. Every Friday night, you're working until two o'clock in the morning. You've got a call time of five o'clock in the morning, whatever. There's, there's no rest. I mean, some, some nights, you know, it, I know there's union rules and stuff, but some nights, you know, you don't get home until after midnight and you got to be there five o'clock the next morning. That's insane. What other job does that, you know? Um, so I will say that, I wasn't like a huge Transformers nut, like I wasn't a Transformers fanboy or a Batman fanboy, really. Um, so I started out only looking for the stuff that I was sort of interested in. I was sort of interested in Transformers and Batman. I didn't care about Divergent. When Divergent came around, they did so much cool stuff with that 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 kind of got me thinking, well, even if some, it's something I don't like, I really want to find out a little bit more about it. And so I've really enjoyed everything to do with the one Chicago shows, but like sometimes I just can't watch them too. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I mean, how many times are they going to recycle the same storylines and maybe I need a break and I'll go watch something else. And, you know, I like the shows. I like all of the shows. I think they're very good shows, but um, they're not like my favorite shows of all time, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. So except for Chicago Cold, that's one of my favorites. What, okay, so that's that's was that a cop show as well? Yes, it was a great cop show. I, just, I had I'm like trying to remember. See, because I see the world like in this weird lens of Chicago. All these shows that are shot in Chicago that you know, Patrick Swayze's last show, The Beast, was here. And his co-star was, was Travis Fimmel, who like was like a moron, right? But um, he's like a huge Hollywood moron now, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, to, to see all that stuff and, and to follow it, it, it's like really crazy to me that all that stuff happens here in Chicago. I mean, remember, this is before they had a studio. I mean, now obviously they've got the, the huge Cinespace studios, but this is just when they had a, a pretty small studio out in Cicero and all this stuff was on location. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know they had some stages they used, but um, everything I see, I will, a lot of the shows I watch, I just only watch them because they're shot here, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said before, we're in a really good run now where we have Utopia, which is, was a really weird show. And we've got Next, which is kind of like a standard Fox show that's premiering tonight or tomorrow. And you've also got Fargo, which is really cool because Chris Rock is in it and it's a period piece and we haven't had a lot of period pieces. And so it, it's really interesting to say, boy, this is a very stylistic, very cool show, Fargo. And they shot that here. They didn't do it in LA or New York. I mean, these are regular people from Melrose Park or whatever playing these mobster background guys. And it looks good. I mean, it shows that we can, we're not just here for Chicago fire that, you know, drives the trucks down Michigan Avenue or on Lake George Drive to get a, a view of the skyline. We can do shows that have nothing to do with Chicago. And that's where you start to have a film industry that, that really is able to sustain itself because when these one Chicago shows are done in 2055, right? You have (laughs) to be able to host shows that could be shot somewhere else. You know, you're not going to be the cheapest Toronto or Vancouver are always going to be cheaper, but you want to be competitive enough that you can shoot Fargo here. You know, you shoot Batman here instead of New York because we're a little bit cheaper and that you don't rely just on the shows that are based in Chicago because you know, people are going to get tired of one Chicago at some point. I mean, who knows when? And and you've got to have something for everyone to fall back on. Never, never. Yeah, Chicago I mean, they, Fire, the next generation. Yeah, they've done re- they've done really well with the shows. I mean, they're really solid shows, right? I mean, and it's it's a great testament to to Wolf Productions that like they literally own NBC's schedule. I mean, it's mm-hmm. never in the history of television. Is one guy been responsible for that many shows on the same network? It's crazy. I mean, he's probably worth like a billion dollars. Yeah, and now he's starting his takeover of CBS too. I mean, I'm surprised they let him do that, but I think at this point, Dick Wolf could do whatever he wants to. Right. Pretty much. He's pretty Wolf. much. Yeah. If he wanted to come on our podcast and like talk about some random topic for an hour, we'd totally let him. So. <laughs> how, how, how people from Chicago are fat because he's big on that. That's one of his big things. Oh my goodness. He said, really? that, he said that in every interview one time. Uh, we like the people here. They're all kind of, uh, I don't know what the word was that he used, but he basically said a lot of people here are fat, which might not be wrong, but it's not necessarily what you want to hear in the press. <laughs> That's funny. He's the boss. Yeah, so uh, we have a question from a listener named Adam, and he wants to know what have been the highs and lows of your job, your job being the filming in Chicago yeah. Twitter. So, I mean, what, what, I mean, I'm, I'm, and you do this because you love it, obviously, but what are some of the hard things about it? I, I think, I mean, the low, I mean, it's probably like right now. I don't, I don't mean this podcast, but like since March, when, when nothing has been happening in, 
I mean, it was really interesting in the early days of, of the pandemic, and, and we were the first ones that actually say, all these shows are shutting down, and no one believed this. And I got emails from people on the crew saying, you're wrong, don't say this. I'm like, I'm sorry they didn't tell you yet, but it's what's happening. And to me, that really was was the saddest thing, because everybody's in the middle of the season and everybody in town here is making money. You're making a lot of money. Everybody's, you're getting exposure if you're an actor. And then all of a sudden it's shut down and nobody knows when it's going to start back up again. Nobody knows if the season is going to finish. Um, so that was really hard because I had, you know, people DMing me saying, well, who, who was the person that was sick? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. I mean, I'm, I, because they want to know if they were infected or if one of their friends that worked in some other department, it, it was one of the other it was next actually that next shut down one Chicago, frankly, someone from LA flew in and, and they had it and now it was inevitable. Right. But that's, that's what happened is that next was almost done, but everybody else got shut down because of it. And, you know, people like the word for the jobs, the word for their life. And they're like, what should I do? I'm like, I don't know. It's terrible. I don't know. What, what should you do? I mean, just try to remain calm, but it, you know, it, 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 the, these these shows are so important to the people that watch them and love them. But what you always have to remember is that the shows are a significant source of income for a lot of people that live here too. And so while you or I are more concerned about we don't get a proper season finale for fire or whatever, those guys are worried about, you know, I plan to be off in the summer because I'm off every summer, but now I'm off four weeks early and I might never get, to go back again, do I have to start winning tables or something? Mm -hmm. and, and so that was really the hardest thing. And I would say the other, probably the other really hard thing just in general is shameless. And that's just the shameless fans are nuts. <laughs> um, they do a lot of crazy, stupid things. And, and sometimes they blame me for it. I'm like, I, dude, everybody knows they're gonna be at the house. I mean, it's not my fault that like 200 people show up. But, but Shameless Week or the two Shameless Weeks, it's not as bad as it used to be. And I, well, I guess now I miss it because it's done, right? But um, that just, you get a lot of people that didn't follow the account in being mad about certain things. You can't tell everybody where they're filming. I don't know, for the last seven years I did it. It's been okay. Yeah. You know, Emmy will bring you brownies or something. She did that once, so. <laughs> wow. So that that's the low. The high, I, I think the high is... I don't know if the high is related to the account. I mean, I've met a lot of really cool people and some of them I, you know, I actually meet in person or some of them, you know, you just talk to on Twitter, but I, I think it's given me a real good understanding of how things work in the industry, in this town, meeting people that, that work in different departments and in some of the stuff they send me, which I can't share with people, like about how they build certain things or how they set up a scene or how they, they do set dressings and stuff like that. I just love all that stuff. I think it's great. And so to be able to learn some of that without having to, you know, give up a regular career and start at the bottom of the movie industry it has been really interesting. And I've met a lot of really cool people and, and it's, it's opened my eyes a little bit to some of the other things that you can do with respect to the shows to, to be involved and to make money and, and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, the, I guess, actually there's one other thing I forgot. If you want to, the best thing, the single best thing that's happened to me throughout the entire history of the one Chicago franchise, even better than my son seeing Taylor naked is, is Bowden's Tahoe. And I'll tell you why. You know, in the account, we're a little obsessed with Bowden's Tahoe. Mm -hmm. 
And that's because every time Bowden was on screen with his Tahoe, I got like 300 bucks because that's my car. So what? Wait, what? So that's my car. That, that, yeah, that's like my, we rented, we, I rent stuff to the show sometimes. So Chief Bowden's Tahoe, my Tahoe. It's actually my family's, right? But I, so in, in the, the best part of that, uh, so my story about season one, about when Voight and, and Casey have that confrontation and Bowden kind of, Casey, I forget if Casey confronts Voight or Voight confronts Casey, but then Bowden kind of comes in and helps break it up. So you remember what, what weapon Casey brings with him. He brings an ax, right? He's got an ax somehow. And so I, I think the scene ends up like Bowden takes the ax and throws it in the truck. So I get a call after they film the scene. Well, we want to talk to you about the incident that happened on Friday. I'm like, what incident? Did you wreck the truck? Well, the, there's, there was an ax and there's a big hole in your seat. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, we're going to take care of it. You're going to get a new seat, but we're going to need it for a couple of days. I'm like, all right. What are you going to do? Wow. So, you know, That's every crazy. for all those episodes it was in, and we finally had to stop letting them use it for reasons that have nothing to do with the show. But, you know, I made like a ton of money. They come, they pick the truck up, they take it down, they come back, you get a check in the mail. It's beautiful. It's like Uber times 10. <laughs> and the best, the best part is like they would leave shit in there. Like they would leave scripts in there. And like I get like, like, um, you know, Monica shooting scripts and stuff with notes on it. They just leave them in the pocket and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll keep this. This is a souvenir. This is so I, for like two, three years. Like I had great any scenes that Bowden had 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 script with the with a truck. Like I would get a lot of leftovers and figure out what was going on. You know, a couple weeks early. So that that's the the most fun I've had in the last couple of years. And like I said, that's like I'm like you're going to pay me that much and I have to come down. No, you don't have to come down. We're going to come get it. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Even better. Yeah. Give me the check. Cause if you're an extra, you get 35 bucks extra for your car. Right. Mm -hmm. But if the main character is using your car, you get like, I think at the end it was like over 300 bucks a, a day. Wow. Wow. So what season did, what season did they stop? So when we record old episodes, we can be like, Oh, Hey, I think it was like up to six or something. Oh, dang. I mean, it was like for for four or five years. And like, I outlived the people that were doing the cars. Like the, you know, uh, Severide lost his car. I think Casey kind of lost his truck. But Bowden had that Tahoe for a hell of a long time. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. That's so fun. But speaking of encounters and things, I know you said, obviously, your son was on that episode early in season one, but like, how much have you been on sets before? Like, what have your encounters with actual, like the actual actors been like? I, I mean, every single one, at least with respect to those shows has been good. I mean, do you mean like, on set or like is a fan kind of stalking kind of more deal? just like i mean like what have you like have you been on set more than just that time with your son yeah, what? yeah. Okay. with all the different shows and in, in not as much as i would have liked on med med is like hard not med fire is almost impossible to get on they must have like a million people they choose from but every single time i've been on one of those shows everyone has been fantastic i mean i i, I don't i think i've interacted probably with almost all the original cast members on fire, except probably Bowden 
and then with most of PD and not really met as much. And I mean, they're pretty much, they're all pretty much exactly how you think they are on the screen. They're all nice. Everyone is, is very nice, is very professional, but like friendly and, and never any problems with, with any of the cast. I mean, just really nice. Jason Begay is a funny guy. Uh, he's, he's always giving people a hard time and everybody on fire is, is really, really nice. And I mean, they're really as, as nice as they seem to be. You know, when people leave these shows, people get all up in arms. And when Monica left, people shouldn't be mad. People should be happy because that's what they wanted. Now, I'm sorry that it doesn't involve Dossie anymore, but, you know, Monica wanted to do other things and she, she's gotten to do those other things and she's on another great show and has directed. And, you know, people need to respect the choices of those people that leave voluntarily. Now, you know, a situation with like Mills or with, with Yuri, I mean, I still don't understand why they had to kill off um, Otis, but, you know, you can maybe get mad about that kind of stuff, but people that leave for their own reasons and want to go wish them well, they're doing what they want to do. Well, and I, I can tell, I can tell that you're a straight up TV fan, right? Like you appreciate all TV. Have you watched Hightown? No. You can tell from watching Hightown that it is the role that Monica was born to do. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that, you know, she made decent money being, you know, the, fourth lead or whatever she was on that show but it, it's not what she wanted to do and so more power to her and and she obviously left on good terms and you know she came back and who knows maybe she'll came back again right but that's people should be happy for her she's that's you know a female director of of color and now having another show and she's she's going on to bigger and better things and i'm sorry it breaks up dossie but you know she's where she should be yeah. 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 And I mean, I think it says a lot about both of them too that they were able to create characters that everyone that most people loved and like obviously you still very much care about but like you said everyone has a time where they feel like their role is ended and like these roles aren't gonna go on forever as much as we want to think taylor kitty's gonna be on fire for you know 20 seasons of severide well, he, he think, might be i mean i don't know he, he, he told me jesse yeah, I mean, we'll see. Remember, but... he, he told Stella how he's going to die, like, with them and their kids and their grandkids surrounding him, like, a bajillion years from now. So <laughs> we're in it for the long haul with Kelly. Okay, point being, though, but, like, not everyone's going to be on these shows forever. No, it's very no. rare that it happens like that. And so they created these characters that are very well-loved, and, like, it's time for it was time for them to both move on. And yeah. I'm, I'm happy for them. Yeah. And it's a, it's a testament to the casting process that if you look yeah. at people like 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 Charlie. I mean, Mills was never going to be like the focus of the show, but that guy's done very well from himself as well, and he's back in Chicago shooting another pilot. And I mean, it generally works out, you know. And again, I, I still don't know why they killed Otis. I hate that they killed Otis. <laughs> but um, all, all the other things where people wanted to leave, wanted to do other things. I mean, we should appreciate that as fans. We should appreciate that that they've given their all to a character, and when they feel that their time with that character is done. They're going on to do something else. I mean, like you said, nobody's going to be on the show for 20 years. I mean, look at Law and Order. You've got Mariska, and I guess, I mean, Ice-T's been around for a long time, too. But the Dick Wolf shows, they, they move people in and out. Right. I mean, look at the original Law and Order. It didn't even have anybody left. I mean, that's the way they are. Yeah. Appreciate what they've done and root for them and watch their new shows. Right. Right. So um, one of the episodes that you, you actually told us to ask you about was the one we just covered was 103 because you said you had some good stories about that. So I think that was 03, wasn't it? Or was that 
with the with the axe was that later the axe was that was later because 103 is when we first 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 meet Voight and Antonio. oh yeah I, I i remember the i remember going down to the accident scene at the time and looking over the edge where that car was hanging and thinking how much money did they spend to put this thing up here because it's, it's still again the first season and and somebody had told me that they were working on this whole idea of having another show and i thought well, that's nuts, but it's brilliant. They could have another show in Chicago, right? And so I, I kind of poked my head around a little bit. And, uh, you know, it was just really cool to see how much effort they put into a scene like that. Now, as the show has gone on, we know that they have a lot of big stunts and big action scenes and stuff like that. But I was thinking, you know, this must be something really cool with this with this cop guy that they're having in here because they, uh, they've they got this car hanging up here and they shut down, you know, the corner of, of Madison in, in Wacker and you just don't do that for nothing. So um, it was really cool to kind of see that from the beginning. And, and, you know, thankfully we got a new seat in the car. So that was, <laughs> that was good. But um, it just, I just, I just geek out over seeing that stuff in person. I mean, I don't care so much about what is happening in the shows, but I'm just really into how they make those things happen, especially on fire. Yeah. Um, because, you yeah. know, you've got, this crazy stuff and they don't have you know a movie budget i mean they, they're a big television show they have a, a big budget but like they don't have 40 million dollars or something per episode so they they really put a lot of their money on the screen and and that's my big concern about this upcoming season like you know you don't want every scene to be at the fire station, right? You know, it, it, at the fire station studio. I mean, yeah, we want to see them in the, the break room and all that stuff, but you want them to go out on calls. You want them to go out and have these big uh, crowd scenes where there's a guy on fire jumping off of a building and the plane land, because fire does that really well. And so I hope that they are able in this environment to continue to do that sort of stuff and, and get out on those calls and not just have everybody in the station. And, and again, I don't think it affects med that much. And I don't think it will affect PD because PD is always out on the streets, but they kind of are a little different from med. They don't have these big set pieces, but I, I hope they're able to, to continue that with, you know, I like the big act, you know, the big accident of the week or whatever, but you know, someone that was a firefighter told me one time, they said, how can we never see anyone just have like a heart attack, you know, because <laughs> that's like what a lot of our calls are. I know there've been a couple like that. Right. But that I don't want them to go to like two heart attacks every week. Right. You know, they shoot it all on studio. And I mean, I want them to be blown up cars and land in planes and stuff like that. So I, I hope that they're able to, to do that in this environment, but it's just, it's, it's going to cost more money and take more time. And I hope the show looks the same. I hope it's, it feels the same. It's outside as much as it has been in the past. Yeah. Something I'm curious about that's like kind of tangential, but like kind of not really related. How have you heard anything about how filming at the firehouse is going to work only specifically because it's still a working firehouse and like, there's going to be people in and out and like, it's going to change like in, in terms of COVID, like, have you heard anything about that? No, I mean, I, I, I talked to the guys at the fire station in general, and they're not, they're not open to visitors anymore. Right. I mean, you can still go outside and, and take pictures, right. and they will go in and they will get you if you want to buy stuff, they still have stuff they're selling, they will go in and like the shirt, which somebody got me, they will go in and get you a shirt and come out, but you can't go inside and do the tour anymore. So I, I don't know if they're just going to be on the apron 
mm-hmm. or if they're actually going to use the station, what you have to remember is that they've got, it's kind of like a dual station. So they can run rigs out of the back when they're filming in the front. So they don't have to shut down the, the fire station when they're right. filming. So I don't know if they're going to kind of deal with COVID the same way that, okay, you can have this part of the station and then, you know, we disinfect it or whatever when you leave, as long as we can run out of the back of the station, you're fine. Or maybe they're going to say, you guys can't come in the station and you're just, there are all these scenes or, you know, the, the truck rolling or, you know, the guys right. talking in front of the doors or something. I don't know, but we'll find out in like two days. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious from a sanitary perspective how that was going to work. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, and like I said, I hope, well, I guess they don't really actually shoot inside the station that much. I mean, right. Because, it's more like the apron stuff. Yeah. So I, I would think that it wouldn't affect the apron stuff or the stuff, you know, where their Bowden's walking to his Tahoe parked in front, stuff like that. They can do all that there, but I know that all of the shows have been shooting. Well, I don't know about fire, but I know med and some of the other shows are shooting, you know, a lot of this kind of background stuff. And my fear is that they're going to, go into a green screen type situation and kind of project the stuff in the background stuff going out on location. And, and I haven't seen any evidence that they're really going to do that a lot for these shows, but you know, you could see where you could, you have your interior station set and then you could build an exterior of the station and green screen in everything around it and not have to go on location. So I don't think they're going to do that. I hope they're not going to do that, but that's, that's always my fear is that then it starts to look a little fake. Uh, as long as they're safe though, right? Like it sucks, but as long as they're safe. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think there's any for the, certainly for the cast and crew, I don't think there's any, I mean, going to the station is probably not any more dangerous than being in the studio. It's probably safer because it's more open. Um, obviously, like you said, we have to worry about the, the firefighters in the station itself. Um, but theoretically, if everybody is tested on set, you know, it, it should be okay. But I don't, I don't know what the city is going to do. Like I said, I think they're there on the 8th or something. So I'm, I, I know certain people for sure will be there watching for the first firehouse shoot. And it, generally, uh, you can tell if they're inside or outside, even if they don't let you stand really close. You can tell if it's just on the apron or if they're doing other stuff in the days, you know. Um, we got another listener question. What is your favorite show or movie that was filmed entirely in Chicago? Uh, movie for sure is Blues Brothers, which is old school. But that kind of started it, it all. And it's still a crazy movie to, to think of some of the stuff they did. As far as shows... I think early edition still kind of emotionally for me just because I saw them so much and it's a really, you know, a nice light show. I mean, it's, it's really a fun show. It's not too serious. And that's kind of more along the lines of what I like. And the other thing I really like lately was Chicago code, like we mentioned um, for a couple of reasons I, I can't go into, but that was a really um, interesting show to me. And, and I got to be a, a part of a, a couple of those episodes and that was, that was really cool. They had, we had a couple shows that never even made it through all their episodes airing. One with Christian Slater. Nobody even remembers that. Wait, I would what say what was edition. the one with Christian Slater? Mind Games. Yeah, never heard of it. Yeah. I know. It, it shot here for a year, and I think they only aired five episodes or something. Ooh. You see, the good thing is that these days, you, you, typically, you typically are going to see the whole shoot. I mean, not that many things get canceled 
after one or two episodes because if you've paid the money, you might as well air it and then send it off to Netflix or afterwards. But that 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 show, a lot of people worked on it. And there's the Playboy Club, which I think the same thing happened. And then there was, I think there was one about airlines or something, Pan Am or something. Pan Am was oh, a Chicago yeah. show? I did not know that. I actually I really enjoyed that show. Then there's another show called Crisis, which uh, lasted for a year and was kind of interesting. But we have a lot. I mean, that's why the one Chicago shows are so important. Because so when a movie comes through, like the Batman is coming through in two weeks. And and they're going to shoot here for like five or six days. So if you if you work around town, you can get hired on as an extra. Or I don't know if they're doing extras as a PA, whatever. And you can make real good money for you know a couple days. You have to work overnight, but you make some good money. You're on on a big motion picture set. It's a lot of fun, but it doesn't pay your bills. It, what really pays your bills are the things that start here and run for seasons, seasons, seasons. So when you get something like the one Chicago shows, which since early edition is like the only shows here to really last for a significant number of years, like people that that's their career. I mean, that's their, they're buying a house, they're buying a car based on that show where, you know, the movie, even a big movie like transformers is at most a couple of months. So from a production standpoint, you know, everybody talks about the big blockbusters, but if they, you know, if Batman films here for two weeks, who cares? It's like a blip. You don't want to be on Batman. You want to be on fire because that's going to run for 10 years, you know. Mm-hmm. Was Empire around for most of the year? Like when they were on the air? Was it around like nine months of the year or was it like a shorter shoot? So Empire was really weird. I'm trying to remember, but for at least a couple of seasons, they did like a split shoot. They came in in, I think I know why. They came in and shot for a while. Then they took a break and then they came back. And I think that's to let let TNT do movies. I, I don't know for sure, but I think that they like did a movie in that break and then came back and finished the season. But um, that is, I think, the only show I know of that purposely kind of did a weird schedule like that. They took a, a pretty big break and came mm-hmm. back. I don't think they did that every year, but the last couple of years they did that. That show, oh my God, that's I really love that when it came out, but it got so crazy. I would hear stories about that set. I don't know if they're true about what Terrence Howard was doing in his trailer and and all this other stuff. And and the funniest thing is everybody, every single person said, Oh, the nicest, nicest person on that show is Jussie. He's so nice and he's so sweet. And and the one that's going to cause that show to go down is is Terrence Howard, right? He's going to do something. And and it turned out to be exactly the opposite. You know, Terrence Howard got through the whole thing on scathed and it was jesse that, that caused all the problems yeah wow so we are in what everybody refers to as the golden age of television which i still think we're in even though there's like a crazy pandemic happening outside so aside from things that happen in chicago all tv everywhere all streaming platforms what are you watching right now uh, uh well the last thing i mean Quint, the last thing i watched through was utopia because and I want to see what every, all my friends work on to see what they did, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I powered through Utopia. Um, I like Manifest. They're coming back, I okay. think, for season three. Manifest is good. I've kind of gone away from the Law and Orders because they've just been on for so long. But, you know, I've kind of been a big Law and Order guy in the past. Um, my, my favorite show, I was one of my favorites. I'm glad came back for a little bit of Psych on USA. And they had a, they've had two movies that they've done since they got canceled. So... Um, I was definitely excited to see that drop on Peacock a couple months ago. 
Um, I finished just finished the Challenger Explosion documentary on Netflix, which was been really meaning cool. to watch that. Yeah, and you know I, I'm I'm a little bit older than I, you know I'm the group of 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 people that their generation was in school when they happened and watched it live and kind of like the Kennedy assassination. It was uh, for me really what like it was a turning point. It was like you're a kid now and everything is cool and you're switching to like a teenager adult and like everything in the world is terrible, right? And mm-hmm. and you saw that happen in like 58 seconds. So that was a really good documentary. My wife just binged Shits Creek and I just didn't totally get it. I mean I mean, she thought it was great. I just couldn't really watch it. Uh, I love Viking shows. There's like about four different Viking shows. The original Vikings, The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Netflix was really great when that dropped this January. Um, Not a lot of network shows on that list, which is, I guess nobody is watching network shows anymore, except one Chicago. That's why those shows are worth so much money to NBC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am tempted to check out Next, though. It does look really interesting, but it got really bad reviews. But that doesn't really mean anything. Sometimes they can be really good. You know, the other show that was shot in Chicago I liked, it was so dumb, was that APB show. I don't know if you guys watched that. It was really kind of silly, but again, it was kind of a, it was almost like a show you'd find on on USA 10 years ago or something, right? It was kind of fun and light. and, And that's the kind of stuff that I like. I don't like to get real serious. And that's why the one Chicago shows are kind of pretty good in the wheelhouse that, you know, they're dramatic, but they're not like over the top. Yeah. You know, you have to cry every time you watch it. Only when they kill off. Characters, yeah, yeah, <laughs> kill off yeah. bonus, yeah. So We're never getting over that. No, no. Although one of our friends did an interview with Yuri right after that episode aired, and it sounded like Yuri was ready to move on as well. So good for him. It just know. the rest of us are traumatized by it. And Cruz doesn't have a best friend anymore, but it's cool. Has he done anything? <laughs> I haven't seen him done anything lately. Has he? Uh, no, nothing that we've seen, but I mean, that doesn't mean he's not happy. You know, who knows what he's doing, but um, yeah. It's a lot of money to give up. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll never be over that ever, ever, ever. No, it just did I still didn't. I mean, and Al was kind of different too, but he might have gotten tired of it. But I just don't understand why you had to kill someone off. Al was, Al was painful because nobody saw that, that coming. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see the Otis one coming either. Because remember, we watched it right before we went to Chicago, and we were like, and everyone else didn't know that yet because we saw it early, and we were yeah. like, what the Yeah, heck? yeah. But the the Al one, I mean, when he got stabbed at the end of that episode, I was like, whatever, he'll be fine. And then when the doctor was like, he didn't make it, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Did I mishear that? I need to, like, rewind that. I don't think I heard that right. So, yeah. And you, all, you always wonder, was there something they did? I mean, obviously, Yuri was... I guess good friends with Derek, so that's why to me that was even more like weird, unusual. But did you know maybe maybe he just didn't want to um, with Al? I mean, maybe he just didn't want to live in Chicago anymore or something. I just I still can't get over Otis. Like, that was just terrible. That's well, with, the low point of the show to me. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm early season four. I think rivals that. But uh, with Al, I remember um, it wasn't Derek. Was it? Um, was it, no, it wasn't Brandt either. Some, somebody did an interview at the end when Al died and explained like, hey, uh, there needed to be a huge cost that to Voight for covering up this murder. And so once they explained it, it made perfect sense. And I was like, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, we talk at length about how infuriating it is that Voight is never responsible for his own actions. Yeah. It's, 
sucks that Al had to die, but I, that's that's the only way it would have made sense to me. But so if you're Derek or Mike or wh- whoever makes that decision, how do you decide Al versus Atwater versus? I mean, everybody they're all generally pretty well liked. I mean, how do you how do you make that decision? I think you decide who's well, closest to Voight. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. It makes no sense. I have a random kind of question that I don't know why this really just popped in my head, but do you have any justice stories? We never talk about justice, but I'm so curious to know what you know or what your experiences are like with the justice, seeing as that is the only one Chicago show to actually get canceled. No, I mean, I will say I think they made a mistake in canning it, and in hindsight, I mean, I thought in some ways it was a better show than some of the other shows, maybe they felt it was too close to law and order. But it's really weird that I, I thought I was going to be a little more involved with that one on the legal side and it ended up not happening. But it was just kind of like, I don't know, the stepchild. I love Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers to me is great. I would watch anything that he's in. And I just felt that they had that show set up really well, but it just kind of disappointed me. And, and then it just kind of disappeared and and I had such high expectations for it. It should have been great, and it wasn't, but I'm still surprised they didn't stick with it. Yeah, it just wasn't. I think the intentions were there, but it just, like you said, we always joke that, like, when you start by putting Atwater up for potential murder in episode two, then, like, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) He's probably my favorite character because Leroy's is from the south suburbs like I am. He's from Harvey, like, to me, he's like one of the guys that's authentic on the show, right? Because you know, you know, uh, Jason and ever, but they're all like Hollywood stars, yeah. star. But but Leroy's is like, man, he is really like the guys, the black guys that I grew up with. They sound like him. I mean, he, the way he talks, his diction, the way he says his lines, to me, like he's the most authentic person on any of the other shows. He's really legit, and so I, I really hope uh, that they they. I mean, I know they've. <laughs> The end of last season was pretty interesting, but I really hope that they continue to try to focus on him and 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 give him more screen time and 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 develop that character even more as the years years move on. Mm-hmm. We will never complain about more Atwater. Never. never. Yeah, for never. different reasons probably, but we love Atwater. Well, and yeah, and Leroy's is just the best. He's a big teddy yeah. bear, and yeah, yeah. so. Okay. I was just curious. I don't know why. I was thinking because I was thinking Antonio and the way Antonio left, and then I was like, I wonder if he has any questions or stories about justice. So yeah, I wish I wish I did. Him. Yeah, that was that. It was just it was weird how that all went down. Very weird. I wish it was still here, but so, it sucks. Before we let you go, do you have any other funny stories you can share? Any crazy stories from set you can share? Doesn't necessarily have to be PG rated. We're adults. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have, I'm trying to think if I have anything that's not PG rated. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. What? Here's a funny thing. Here's something funny. I wasn't sure if that was my son on the TV in the background. Uh, on, the, on the pilot for fire, one of my friends was, uh, was an extra, just like a regular extra, right? And I think he was dressed in like a robe or something. And he was in that building, if you remember all the way back, that building that blew up. And when the extras came out, like the extras ran out of that building and like three extras ran out and then they had a stuntman. 
and the stuntman ran out and there was a big explosion and then all the other extras ran out, right? So they did this once or twice and like the extras all run out like, hey, good job, buddy, good job. Hey, you looked really scared. And so they sent them back in for like the second or third time. And uh, for some reason they wanted to juice up the explosion a little bit. And, and they, the, the, I guess the PA inside changed the order of the extras. And so my buddy came out in the spot of where the stuntman was supposed to came out. And this huge fireball lit up in front of him. He went, ah! He's like the scaredest I've ever seen anyone in my life, I think. And he just ran out. I'm like, dude, that was awesome. That was awesome. He's like, they didn't tell me that was going to happen. You know? So we all had a good laugh over that. He didn't get any extra pay for that. But uh, uh, that, was, that was really something that was kind of funny on that. We were all waiting for the mayor to show up on that one. And he shows up like 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I think that's, that's probably about it. You know, there's, you always get good stories on the shows, but they all kind of blend into one, one another after a while. It's, it's the same bad food and the same delusions of grandeur from all the other people that you're working with. And, and in the end you get paid, you know, 13 bucks an hour. I mean, it's a cool story to tell at parties, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people ask about that kind of stuff. Oh, have you been on this show? Have you been on that show? Yeah, but, you know, you don't see me. I mean, actually, I will say the, the, the one other really interesting story I have was Chicago Code, which was um, interesting because the lead actor in that show seemed to be very grumpy to me. Whenever I was on set, Jason Clark seemed to be very grumpy. And he would get mad like if an extra scuffed um, a chair on the floor and it made too much noise. And uh, I had a good time on that show and I did a bunch of episodes and I did one where I was featured and uh, there was a picture in TV Guide of, of Jason Clark, Jennifer Beals, uh, Tamlin Tamita, who was the Karate Kid's girlfriend, like Karate Kid 2, and me sitting next to her playing a lawyer. And like that was in TV Guide. And, and I thought that's like, I didn't even see myself on the screen that good, but I got a picture of myself in TV Guide with the Karate Kid's girlfriend standing next to me. And she was so nice. And we talked so much, the director was like yelling at us. <laughs> and uh, I made a couple other rookie mistakes on that one. Like I started drinking all the water and like, you can't drink that water. I'm like, sorry. It's a set piece. So every time you would move it, they, they got to fill it up. So oh, it's yeah. what it was before. Mm, yeah. So um, that was when I was just kind of kind of dumb and inexperienced. And you learn, you don't make those mistakes twice, right? right you don't right. you don't look into the camera twice. You know, you have some PAs that like, <laughs> you, if you're an extra, you don't look in the camera, right? You look away from it. So if you look in the camera, sometimes you're out of there. It's weird. And I'm looking up Jason Clark right now, and I feel like he's been the bad guy in everything I've ever seen. And he's also been in everything you've ever seen, I think. I mean, he played, he's played Bobby Kennedy and uh, he's, he's Gatsby, played. Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. But you don't really remember him. He, he, yeah, he's been yeah. in a lot of stuff. He was always cranky. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Everyone else was nice. Jennifer Beals was, was, was great every time I talked to her. And, and all the guest stars were great. But, but he always seemed to be in a bad mood. He's a hell of an actor. I mean... But he just, I guess that's his, like you said, that's his type, I guess. Yeah. His typecasting. Um, yeah. And then the other, you know, there was a, a day on the mob doctor when we were doing a scene with, uh, 
guy's name, William Forsythe, that in Michael Rappaport, I think, was the other guy in the scene. And it was just a, a little scene in Lou Mitchell's, actually, in Jackson. And, and William Forsythe was playing the mob boss, and he got really, really mad. And I don't know if he beat this guy up or stabbed him or something like that. And, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. And you know it's all make-believe, right? But when he got really mad and started yelling at this guy and screaming and stabbing, like, I got, like, scared for a minute. I'm like, dude, that dude is really intense. You know, this is, like, to, to see that that close – to see someone bring that sort of intensity to kind of like just a random show that wasn't really going anywhere. You're like, that's really awesome to see someone that is really so into their craft and in their character. Like they can make me scared. And I know it's all fake. You know, I can see the, the director standing over there, but I actually got chills. That's the only time I think I've gotten chills during filming was when he was threatening this guy and stabbing him. I'm like, damn, that's, that's really cold. You know, it's all fake, but it was, it was still just really kind of chilling. Wow. Wow. And I know you said that you, um, with LaRoy, so you know, he's an Illinois native and everything. Have you worked with David Eigenberg at all? Because he's an Illinois native as well. No, I mean, I, I briefly met him, but I never interacted with him. See, but he, I mean, you know, obviously with Sex in the City and all the stuff that he's done, I mean, he, you know, he's been here, he's been there. But LaRoy's, I mean, he's he's pretty young. So, I mean, he, I don't know if he's ever lived in LA or not, but like, he's solid through and through a Chicago guy. And, and not just the Chicago guy, suburban guy, he's from Harvey, which mm. is like literally like two towns over from where I grew up. So mm. it's just when I hear David talk, like sometimes I'm not sure if he's doing a Chicago accent or what he's doing, you know, like is, is that his real accent or is he trying to do the accent he had or someone he knew when he was growing up? But when LaRoyce talks, it's like, yeah, that's how people talk here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's how they talk, and not not just you know the accent, but like the diction, the way he says his words to me is like what the people I grew up with sounded like. And, but when David talks, or, or even Chris, who obviously is, is local as well, it, it just doesn't quite sound to me as much as like the people I grew up with. And like I said, obviously David was in Hollywood for a long time and uh, I don't even know what his real accent is like, but it's sometimes on the show, like it strikes me as being a little funny. I mean, obviously he's not Australian, right? Um, but, but he, uh, I just, I don't quite know what he's doing sometimes with that voice. I mean, maybe that's, it's just the suburban voice. And I'm more of a South side guy or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one last question, which I think is a good one to wrap it up on, unless, Brian, you have more, which pipe in. Um, but Fire away. Fire away. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> what, is, what is it about shows and movies that are filmed in Chicago that sucks you in? Because, I mean, I, I, I get the feeling you're, you're born and bred in Chicago. Like, what, what, what is it about that that means so much to you? You know, Chicago... I guess it's kind of always been called the second city, right? And, mm-hmm. and and people from Chicago are very proud of Chicago. So we're very proud when we do something good. We're we're very proud when we do something bad too. Like, you know, like people from New York, only a New Yorker can hate on New York that much. It's the same thing with Chicago. We love Chicago and we also kind of hate Chicago at the same time. But above all, when you dig deep down, we're all boosters. We all want the city to succeed. And so we all want the film industry in Chicago to succeed. And so we all want to see our city on the screen. And and you can portray it well, you can portray it poorly, but it's important to us that other people see how great we we think our city is, right? It may or may not be as great as we think it is, but we, we just have a lot of pride in seeing those things 
on the screen. And the next step, and we haven't quite gotten there yet, but the next thing that we really need to try to do is to have more of these shows, not just filmed here, not just set here, but to have some of the creative part of the shows actually arise from Chicago. And, and, and you know, there's one show really where the creators are from Chicago, but, but as, as much as they try on all the one Chicago shows, it's still written from the same people in the Valley, in LA or, you know, New York or whatever. And so it's not really totally 100% a Chicago show, where if you go back to like the Blues Brothers, you know, Belushi's from Wheaton. And, you know, he, he added that something to the character that makes you think this could be a guy that really grew up in that neighborhood in the film. And so that's why, you know, having LeRoyce and, and having David and Chris on the shows is really good. But, but it's still someone else's perspective of what Chicago is like, even if it's accurate and even if some of the writers are from Chicago. But as long as those writers' rooms are still on the coasts, they're not really going to totally understand what's going on here. And, and what I would really like would be for, to, for a big network show like the one in Chicago shows to actually be creatively based here mm-hmm. instead of just being shot here. And it's probably never going to happen because that's not the way it works. But that would be, to me, the pinnacle of, of Chicagoans, us telling our own stories. And that's why I kind of get hacked off like the trial of the Chicago 7, which you know, may be a great film. But it's a bunch of, you know, your typical Hollywood types coming here and telling the story of what happened here in 1968. Not that they're going to get it wrong or that they're going to tell it poorly, but like, who wants to listen to, uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin tell us what happened in our city? I mean, a lot of people feel that way. Same thing with Spike Lee. How is he going to tell us about our city? We should be telling him about our city. Mm -hmm. And so there is no great local filmmaker there is no you know lena waith is doing great and is trying but but she spread really thin a guy like joe swanberg who has put all these mumblecore films out he's really interesting in that he really represents a very small portion of the north side of the city i think but we need one of these big big shows to really be born and bred in chicago and i don't know if it'll ever happen it probably won't but that would be my dream is that we could be proud of something that, that was was born here not just filmed here cool yeah Yeah, that'd be really cool yeah yeah so um brina any other questions notes no i'm almost i'm almost hoarse almost (laughs) hoarse yeah so well yeah i stole your show (laughs) um i think that's about all we've got thank you so much for joining us this was a lot of fun yes it was a lot of fun anytime you guys have a question you know dm me and uh you know keep Keep, uh, keep watching the One Chicago shows because people watch and they stay in production and, and we all make money. So that's what we want. Watch everything. Watch everything that's filmed here. Fargo, watch it all. Watch everything you tweet about. So we all know where yes. to find you, but just in case we don't, tell everybody where we can find you. Um, I don't even know what the hell a handle is. Filming underscore Chicago, is it? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like after eight years, if I lost the password on my phone, the account would be done. Like I, don't even, I can't even recover it. Filming in Chicago on Twitter, we, we tweet a lot of stupid stuff and a lot of things about pizza and music that you're too young to have ever heard of, but then we also <laughs> tweet locations sometimes, and just follow us for the next two weeks, because all the One Chicago shows are starting up, and the Batman is coming, and that's going to be big, and people are going to be annoying, so. Yeah. 
We'll have to deal with it. And the situation is fluid. Like you were saying with Med, I mean, if fire and PD pop up with some positives, we can probably kiss November 11th goodbye. Just saying. I, I would think so. And like I said, count, count out the days. Usually it's like eight or eight or, I don't know if they're running 10 days now for a show, but just assuming they work five days a week, count the number of days. And if Med doesn't start up, with enough time for them to have like three episodes in the can by like November 10th or 15th, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So fingers crossed. I hope it does. Yeah. yeah. I hope but it me does. Too. Follow filming in Chicago for all of the information because it'll happen there. You'll, you'll probably find out about it first there. So. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, yeah. So shy herds, that's about all we've got for today, but you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board, even though we really don't do much on our Tumblr page, which we keep promising to fix, but we will one day. Um, email <laughs> us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really, really hope you do, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. That would be fantastic. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. I don't think we know what we're recording about next week, but like we, we've decided we are recording. We just don't know what yet. So we'll figure it out. But um, in the meantime, Gorsh, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody <laughs> have a good weekend and we will see you then. Bye.